here, right? Because they, they miss the basket ingredient. I was, we kind of have a, a resident cook extraordinaire in, in Marsha Matheny. Many of you know Marsha. Woohoo! And uh, she cooks for our kingdom courses and she's just a great cook. And I said, Marsha, have you ever left out a key ingredient to something you were putting together? And she said, well, she remembered way back when she was young on the farm, she said, I tried to make wagon wheel cookies. She said, I, I'm still not sure what I did either. I just completely left out sugar as a key ingredient to cookies or I replaced sugar with salt. That's yummy. So she said, not only would my family not eat them, but you know, I tried to put them in the pig slops because pig will eat it. The pigs would not eat them. But you know, being on a farm, they did find a use for them. They used them as poker chips because even the pigs would not eat the cookie. Can you imagine just the visual of little young Marsha like the pigs won't eat my... So we've been in a series called Empowered Kindness and we have been talking about the first week, a number of weeks ago, we saw in Luke 15 this divine search that the Lord of the universe is on, that he desires that no man or woman or child would perish. And so he is actively on a search presently today in this world, in every corner of this world. He's on this divine search, drawing people to himself. And we saw... Many of you heard this invitation that we have a role to play in this divine search, that, that he invites us that our lives would be engaged daily in this divine search. Last week, we talked about the starting place of this divine search, that oftentimes when we talk about evangelism or witnessing, those can be... Um, uh, you know, somewhat intimidating when we hear those words and talk about those things. So really, if the beginning place is the heart of God and God is a God of love and mercy and kindness, what would it look like if just to be Jesus to people was to be kind? That, that we can all do that. that. There's nothing intimidating about that, right? If, if we could look for opportunities, no matter who our neighbor is, no matter the, the color of their skin, no matter their background, no matter their lifestyle, if we could simply try to be kind, to be Jesus, we can do that, right? There's a thing that's been around for a number of years uh, called random acts of kindness. Have you heard of that, acts of kindness? Or, or you can actually Google it, uh, look it up, and they have all these suggestions on, on kindness, of how to be kind, different ideas. And I love that. I think it's great. In our harsh and brutal world, we need more kindness, yes? Yeah. But I want to challenge us to go one step further as Christians than simply random acts 
of kindness. I think that God is calling us to something more because I have a conviction that the witness of the church, church being capital C, not just our church, but the the whole church, is struggling so much, especially in the United States, especially in the West, places like Western Europe and so forth, that, that our witness and testimony is struggling so much because we are missing a key ingredient that perhaps we've accidentally swapped the sugar for salt and people don't want to eat our wagon wheel cookies. And which is so sad because the message that we bear, the testimony that we have is the most incredible message on the face of this earth that our creator, our God, the one true living savior, he loves us and he knows us and he wants to forgive our sins and allow us to walk in a personal relationship with him. What message is better than that on the face of the earth? And yet I think the testimony of the church and the witness of the church, all the statistics will tell you that we're missing something. We're we're off in some way. I think there's a number of reasons or ways in which we're missing it. This morning I want to talk to you about the primary missing ingredient to the testimony and witness of the church. You see, I think Jesus understood this as a, as a central ingredient of the church. And so, right at that moment when he was about to launch his church into mission, he said, wait, hold your horses, slow your roll. I'm paraphrasing here. He says, you can't cook the testimony of the church without this key ingredient. Luke 24, you are my witnesses of these things, of the testimony of what God wants to do in the lives of people on the face of this earth. You are my witnesses. And I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. This is the missing ingredient. But wait. Stay in the city. He was talking about Jerusalem, the birthplace of the church, until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now that was Acts 2 we are going to look at a story in Acts 3. Would you turn with me if you've brought your Bibles? Great, we do have some Bibles located in the seats in front of you. And and what I am convinced of, probably many of you have guessed the missing ingredient. It's not hard to figure out, right? It's power. It's divine power. It's Holy Spirit power. He says, I don't want you to live this life on your own terms and in your own strength. I don't want you to testify to the gospel 
on your own terms and in your own strength. I mean, you can make some progress. If you want to chop down a tree, yeah, you can probably get it done eventually with an axe, right? But if someone's got a chainsaw, would you use it? Yeah? If you've got to go, if you've got to go to 50 miles, travel, and there's a bicycle sitting right there, yeah. But if there's a motorcycle, would you get there? Right? If you need a little pick-me-up, do you, do you go with decaf or regular? I mean, decaf can somewhat be enjoyable, but the regular has the stuff, Right? I think if you look at the testimony and witness of the church, we're drinking decaf. When the Lord is saying, don't, don't you, <laughs> you don't, I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. I'll empower you. Your job is cooperation. Your job is to not you do it, but see how I'm working. And live your life in cooperation with me. That's the key ingredient. And in the story in Acts 3, I think we see the disciples, Acts 2 was Pentecost, Acts 3, we see the church is growing rapidly. And there was a testimony. And, and the apostles and the disciples were learning to cooperate. They weren't doing random acts of kindness. They were doing spirit-led acts of kindness. And it made all the difference in the world. So let's read Acts 3 and see how specifically Peter and John are learning to cooperate with the Spirit. Acts chapter 3 verse 1 reads, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. In this time, Jewish culture was that they, would have, they had a three times of prayer. It was their sacred rhythm. They would pray, many would pray at nine o'clock and at three o'clock and at dusk. Remember, the temple was built at that time, so oftentimes they would go to the temple and uh, they would pray together in community. So it seems the Christian community led by the apostles were following those sacred rhythms of praying three times a day, nine o'clock, three o'clock, dusk, and they're on their way to pray. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This was his routine. This is how he made money. This is how he supported himself. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. 
Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw, interesting how they're recording Peter's eyes or gaze or what he saw, what he looked at. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? I'm going to stop right there because he goes on to, to share the gospel. We'll, we'll talk about that a, a little bit in the future. Now, when I read that story, does it a feel a little distant? Does it feel a little Bible and not my life? Do you ever have that experience? Sometimes I read the stories, I'd be like, man, that, that would be awesome. But, but it feels distant. It, it feels like we're not there. I believe that this is a picture of vibrant witness and evangelism. And it's what the Lord is calling his church to do. And the key way of getting there is recognizing the Spirit's work and how we cooperate with Him. I don't think there's any other way. I think if we're really going to engage our lives with divine search of God, we have to begin recognizing the work of the Spirit and how we join our lives with him. So just three works of the Spirit and then how we cooperate. I'm going to hit these. And I want you to think with me the first way. Do you know that the testimony of Scripture is that the Spirit of God cares more about the eternal destiny of your loved ones than you do. That he, he he's brooding over this world. He, he's longing that, that people would know the one true living God and engage their lives 
with him. That, that the spirit is saying, I am drawing these people. I am actively at work. He's not gonna violate free will, but he's wooing. He's enticing. He's drawing our loved ones, our friends and family that do not know him. In fact, Jesus tells us this about the spirit. He says, when he, the spirit comes, this is John 16, 8. I believe we have that up there. When, when, and when he comes, he, the spirit, will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I like NLT because it explains a little bit of sin and righteousness and judgment that that the spirit of God is speaking to our non-Christian loved ones. And he's bringing conviction like, well, I I don't know if I should have done that or not. Or... Boy, I don't, I, there's, there's something beyond this life and someday I'm going to have to figure it out. And if I do this, am I going to pay for that later, right? There's this testimony that the Spirit of God is working in the lives. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because he's doing that same thing in our lives. It's not just the non-Christians, right? Does the Spirit ever convict you of sin? All the time. All the time. Every day, right? Does he ever convict you of the righteousness of God? Every time I look at the mountains and I go, boy, he is wholly other. Does he ever convict you about the coming judgment that there's going to be a time that I have to give an account of my day? Incredibly, what Jesus is saying is that's not just for his children. That's not just in love and grace for you and I that he's bringing conviction, but he's at work actively today. Maybe this very moment in some of our loved ones that he's working that conviction. They don't know it's the, the, the voice of the Spirit, right? That They don't understand that the Spirit of God is working in their hearts, but we do. So how could we cooperate with this ministry of the Spirit? It's interesting that in the story of Acts 3, that do you think that Peter and John walked by the beggar on a regular basis? I'm going to go with a yes. This was right. The sacred rhythms. They were going three times a day, probably six days a week. They were going to pray on a regular basis. So, and this was his spot. This is where he was begging. So my question is, what was it about this day? I'm guessing he asked them for silver and gold or money on a regular basis. What was it about this day as opposed to any other day? Scripture doesn't really tell us, right? It's that I have to fill in the blanks here and say somehow as they would pray on a regular basis, do you think that the apostles were praying for their non-Christian loved ones? 
Do you think so? Do you think they were praying for the spread of the gospel? I'm, I'm assuming yes. Do you think that they were praying for people? And I'm guessing that, that again, filling in the blanks, because scripture doesn't give us specifically, but somehow, some way, they were attuned that they knew the spirit was at work and some way this was the day for the beggar. And it just seems that this day, Peter was so filled with confidence and declaration. They must have been praying and paying attention. They must have been joining in their prayers with the work of the Spirit and then saying, okay, Spirit, we're praying. What you doing? What you doing? I believe that the Lord is looking for people who want to cooperate with him that are praying this divine search and they're paying attention to the lives around them. Ephesians 6.18 And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He's saying be alert. So, so we pray. How we pray will affect our awareness of what's going on in the lives of the people around us. So that's how we cooperate. Now, last week, the stool out of the way, talked about the Springs Challenge, right? And that challenge was to do one act of kindness every day. I'd love to hear stories. I'd love for you to tell me. I'd love you to put it online. Been super fun. Been part of our conversation as a family and our acts of kindness trying to do that. But if you noticed, I slipped in one spirit-led act of kindness a day, right? So we don't want it to be random. I'm going to add to the challenge. I don't think it's too much. I think it's going to be okay. I'm going to add one piece to the challenge. Would you pray for one loved one who does not know Christ a day. Just, just one time a day. Sometime over the course of the day. It can be when you first get up. It can be over lunch. It can be uh, during dinner, whatever that is. When you go to bed, would you begin praying at least for one? You can pray for more folks if you want. But would you add to this challenge not just one spirit-led act of kindness a day, but would you be, begin praying at least for one person who does not know Christ? They can be a neighbor. They can be a, a, a parent, a child, a friend. Just, just that one person, would you begin praying. I believe that that is how we begin to cooperate, to align our lives with the divine search. And then as you pray, you start paying attention. You look, start looking for moments that the spirit is working. Now, I was not praying for this young adult uh, before we took Cambria to 
college this past week, she had some friends over and they were cooking, uh, uh, they were making cookies actually, they were baking. And so I think I was in the living room, I was reading or something like that and they know that I'm a pastor. Um, there was two of them in fact. In fact, I think they were cooking wagon wheel cookies. No, I'm just kidding, they weren't. <laughs> They're just whatever cookies, sugar cookies maybe. And so they like sat down and uh, one of them kind of said, um, so uh, Mr. Carpenter, what do you do during the day? <laughs> I said, well, I only work on Sundays, so the other days I relax most of the time. I feel really good about that. So no, it was, you know, there was just, you know, sometimes I'm just this odd commodity that, you know, her friends don't get. So I just talked a, a little bit about what, what ministry looks like. You guys are like, please tell us, because we wonder what you do during the day. So um, just talked about staff and, and talked about uh, hospitals, caring for people, helping people to grow spiritually, talked about some of those ministries of church and so forth. So I said... Um, what, what is your backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds? And one shared that, that her family is Christian, but when they moved to Colorado Springs, they, they, they don't go to church anymore. The other one that was kind of inquiring was saying, yeah, my, yeah I've been asking my parents these last couple of weeks, and I realized that my, my, neither of my parents have any kind of church background. And, and I'm like, you've been asking them, Yeah. She said, yeah, I asked them about church and why they don't go to church. And, and I said, so, so you're curious? She said, yeah. I just thought, I think I'm going to come out and say it. I said, you know, I not only believe in God, but I believe that he knows you and he's at work in your heart and he's the source of your curiosity. She was like, Huh? She said, I don't get it at all. I don't understand what Christianity is. Have you ever read the Bible? She hadn't read the Bible. Didn't know what was in, in it. And I said, would you like me to give you a Bible? She said, sure, but does that mean you're gonna ask me to read it when I see you? I said, probably it's gonna mean that, right? And so I gave her the Bible. And I, but, but you see, all of a sudden I recognized that the Spirit is doing the heavy lifting. I mean, I was just reading in my living room. Nothing I was doing or saying. The Spirit was already at work in this young adult's life. And my job isn't to, to stir it up but just to join with what the Spirit of God is doing. So we, we began, we talked about the Bible, we talked about church, talked about some of the hesitations of church and all those kind of things. So I've tried to lay off, not ask too many times, a couple times she hasn't started reading yet. I'm gonna invite her to Missing Jesus. Right? So... I, th I think the primary ingredient of witness is that we're praying 
where we know the Spirit is at work and we're paying attention to what he's doing. The, the second piece of what the Spirit is doing, and this one is a little bit more foreign to us, but he is present in power. The Spirit of God is not only drawing, but he is present in power. Peter said, silver and gold we do not possess, but what do I have? But he says, what we have, I will give you. What did he have for this beggar? What, What did he have? He had power of God right? He knew that he was walking around and it wasn't him. He said to the, the crowd that gathered away, he said, why are you looking at us? It's not, it's not me. It's the power of God. Friends, I, I think we, we've lost that, that idea and that concept that, that we're walking with the manifest presence of God. And when the power of God comes in contact with something that is broken or lame or lost, really cool things happen if we pray. Our job is to cooperate with that power. Our job is to, when prompted, pray for healing. Pray for the work of God in the lives of people. If you read the rest of the story, I'd encourage you, because we don't have time to read the rest of the story, but... Peter is going to share the gospel and the religious leaders are so upset that this is stirring so much excitement that, um, that they have Peter and John arrested. And so Peter and John have to defend themselves um, against the religious leaders and listen to what Peter said. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to an account today for an act of kindness. Interesting. This is, uh, yeah, this is Acts 4, 8 and 10. Peter is speaking to the religious leaders. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness for him to pray and see a miracle he saw as an act of kindness showed to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I want to invite uh, up one of our elders, uh, Kurt Poole. Kurt, would you come on up? And we're talking about this message. 
And um, we're talking about promptings and the work of the Spirit. And I just asked him if he would be willing to share a little bit of uh, the story. First, I'm going to throw a, a corkscrew in for you. Have there ever been a time that you felt a prompting of the Spirit and you didn't obey? Yes. <laughs> That's it. All right. He shared very elegantly this morning that there was many times, many, many. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so, so we all can miss it. Certainly, I felt promptings of the Spirit and sometimes fear, sometimes anxiety. I haven't followed that prompting, but part of spiritual growth, I think, is to learn those promptings of the Spirit. So there's a time that it was your nephew? Yes, my wife's oldest sister's oldest son. So explain the, the circumstance that happened with him. Uh, Lester had uh, gone out for a motorcycle ride one morning. I think he was headed to the store. And he was on a street he wasn't really familiar with. And they had built a jettison to direct traffic cement wall, about probably eight inches tall mm-hmm. for a merge lane. And uh, he, without seeing that, hit that jettison and ejected him from the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And it was, so he landed, it was uh, on the head and was life-threatening? What was the, what was the communication to? Um, yes, it was life-threatening. When he arrived at the hospital, which is a little bit of a story in itself, Behind him was an EMT who was off duty, and he had a shift at the hospital they called him in to do. He wasn't on schedule. He saw it happen, and he rushed to him and started to apply his trade, and he called for an ambulance, and because they knew him, they got an ambulance there very quickly and got him to the hospital, and they determined that he had some massive brain trauma and that he might not make it. So he contacted your sister, his mom? She, she called us. Uh, Lester lived in San Antonio. Don and I were living in Texas at the time. She called from Wyoming and said, would you please pray? Uh, there's, Lester's had an accident, and, and we're trying to get time together to get down there. And she's in a panic, and she said, just please just pray, pray. And uh, so Donna and I began to pray. And over the next couple of days, we just continued to pray and believe God to minister to him. Did it, what, what did that look like, Kurt, a little bit? Did you feel the unction of the Spirit, like your prayers were making a difference, that he, this was a, a divine moment you're being invited into? When, when you get past the shock of something, when somebody is close, a relative, somebody that you have prayed for uh, many times, um, there is something that stirs in you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit just had us just in a continual state of prayer, uh, there's a lot of fear that comes in those kind of situations and you just can't give place to that. What is it that the Lord wants to do? How can we, how, how should we pray? And so that's kind of where we were at. It was like a ministry of prayer. You and Donna just were praying in that way. Right. Yeah. So what happened? Tell us the um, <clears throat> outcome. He, uh, for two days, was very uh, in, in a state of just, I mean, he could go. Um, and then he woke up and, uh, he was hungry. And, uh, so he started eating and the doctors were just amazed that, uh, he was functioning as he was. 
they kept him for a few more days. Um, he recovered pretty much fully. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Any remnants of the brain trauma and injury? Well, he's, uh, he's 40, so sometimes he forgets stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that was from him growing up and being beat around or whether it was the accident. <laughs> um, he also, you know, just some people say, well, how do you know that was even a miracle? That could have happened anyway. Well, he had uh, um, uh, nearsightedness. He didn't and have 20-20 vision. No, no. And he would wear glasses. And so when they released him to the hospital, he was doing so well, he went back to work. And this is, you were talking about within a week. And uh, he, he called his eye doctor and said, when I wear my glasses, I, my head really hurts. He said, I think I need some help. And he went and they checked him and said, well, um, you don't need glasses anymore. <laughs> and there's one that goes beyond that as well. <laughs> he had carpal tunnel syndrome. And that went away as well. It, it was an absolute act of God, total mercy of God to touch him where he was um, just because God loves him. Uh, God was showing off, it sounds like. I, I think so. With that, that <laughs> I deal. think so. Yeah. Thank you, Kurt, so much for that story. Appreciate that, brother. I think that the Lord wants more of these stories. He wants more of these testimonies. He, he wants to be working, that, that not to be rare and occasional. I think he's inviting us and, and he's saying, I will do the heavy lifting. I, I will do it. I, I'm providing you with all that you need. I'm just looking for those folks that will trust me, that will, that will pray, that will align their, their prayers and their focus for what I'm doing. They'll, they'll pay attention. And when I prompt you in the moment, would you step out in faith and pray. The last thing that I'm not going to go into uh, fully is the promise of the Spirit. Not only does he, not only is he drawing those who are lost, not only does he provide the power and all the resources that we need, but he promises to give us the words when we're sharing when we're talking, this is in the voice, but it's Luke 12, 12. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will give you the words to say at the moment that you need them. He said, would you trust me? I'll give it to you. I'll allow you. The Apostle Paul says, be wise in the way you live around those who are not Christians. Make good use of your time. Speak with them in such a way that they will want to listen to you. He's saying, be mindful of those around you. Pray, ask for wisdom. Do you know who the source of godly wisdom is? The Holy Spirit, yeah? I get, James says, any of you lack wisdom? I'll, I'll give it to you. I, I'll provide it for it. Would you... I'm at work. 
Would you pay attention to my work? I believe he wants to do incredible and awesome things. He wants to raise the testimony. He's just looking for those whose lives are connected with this divine search. I was looking up uh, prayers, scriptures for lost ones, and I came across a ministry called Kingdom Praying. I was like, man, I hope this is really good because I'm sold already (laughs) on this idea. And it just had a number of scriptures that we can pray for our loved ones. And I thought, I'm going to try and provide a copy. I don't know about copyrights and so forth, but maybe online provide some of those scriptures um, to pray for loved ones. But I thought, in, in this moment, could we choose one person that doesn't know Christ to fill in the blank? Can we do that? The worship team wants to, to come forward you want to close your eyes would you choose one person I'm just going to pray just a, a couple of these prayers and I want you to insert your loved one your friend it's a prayer from John 644, it says, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, I, I plead that you would draw blank to yourself in true faith and repentance. Would you take a moment to fill in that blank, that friend? Next prayer is from Ephesians 2.1. In the name of Jesus, I ask, Father, to quicken this person's heart who's dead in sins and trans- transgressions. Just take a moment to, to pray for that person. One more prayer. Second Corinthians 4 4. Father, I ask that you would bind and remove Satan's work in this loved one's life and open this loved one's eyes to the truth of the gospel. Pray that now.
Lord Jesus, we stand against the enemy's blinders in the lives of our friends and family, Lord God. Lord, that he has kept them, he's blinded them, he's distracted them from your grace and your love and your forgiveness. Would you, in the, in the spiritual realms, would you dismantle those lies? Would you help our loved ones, help Amber and Chad, pray your friend, to see the truth of your love, the invitation of your love, Lord God. Would you begin to move, Spirit? Help us to, to pay attention to your ways, to, to, to see your promptings and to have the faith and to step in, Lord. We confess we cannot do it on our own, Lord. We, we need you and we need your word. I want to pray also all can keep your eyes closed if there's if there's any of you that have never given your life to Christ or perhaps you have and you've considered yourself a Christian but it's been a long time since you felt his love and presence And you're feeling a prompting that today he wants you to say yes to him. You want to say, Lord, would you fill my heart today? Would you fill me? If there's any of you and you just want to raise your hand, I want to pray over you. You're feeling that, that prompting and that unction and that urge. Say yes to that. Say yes to that. Any of you in this my right, your left section, that you're, 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 there's a prompting that the Spirit of God is saying yes to. Just lift your hand and let me see. I'll pray for you. any in these two middle sections that you're feeling the unction of the Lord, just let me know. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand. Any in this far left, my left, your right, just want to lift your hand and say yes. So, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. Would you fill our hearts, break our hearts as we sang earlier with the things that break your heart, Lord. Would you stir a spirit of evangelism and love and kindness, Lord God? Would you begin to flow from our prayers and from our lives? Would we cooperate with you in this journey. In your name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Can we stand together and respond in worship? Because I know
it's your life you came to fix my broken life and i sing to glorify your holy name sing it again jesus because i know because i know 